Uh, hello and welcome to Times Tool Tales. Joining me today is the marvellous Marcus for a new series. I'm a myth, get me out of here. It uh, sounds much cooler on the TV with a jungle in the background, but unlike the teleprogram, our participants are a tad more mysterious and downright dangerous, especially today's guest, the Wendigo. So, Marcus, what on earth is a Wendigo? A Wendigo is a humanoid, a humanoid ecological creature, usually around nine feet to twelve feet tall. They traditionally found in the forests of northern, well, northern USA and what would be southern Canada. They're a Native American um, folklore creature. Um, visually, they frequently were described as having very little flesh. What was there was rotting, very rarely had lips, and were incredibly thin. Oh, okay. So, there's obviously quite a rich history when it comes to the Wendigo. Um, one quite popular origin story I've heard is uh, the first Wendigo was a warrior who made a deal with the devil in exchange for the skills to save his tribe. He basically gave up his soul. Um, and in true treat the heroes right fashion, even when he saved his tribe, uh, they banished him and cursed him with cannibalistic desires, which to me doesn't seem very fair, to be honest. I'd say that's a little, little rude of them. A little rude of them to do that there. <laughs> so obviously there will be multiple versions of this story. It's, you know, it's a very North American tale. We don't really see a lot of it. I mean, I think the the closest I found when to go in popular media is a bit of mm-hmm. Grimm, the TV series, and occasionally yeah. in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. In, in my experience, I've, I've come across it a few times, but it's not as much as it's a very interesting creature. It's got nowhere near as much media or pop culture representation as something like the Yeti, for example. Okay, because obviously there's sort of a, a, not a similar origin, but a sort of a similar feel to it, the Yeti and the... Yeah, the idea of some sort of giant beast that lives in a forest and may or may not be dangerous, except in the case of Wendigo, it is. Oh, okay. So what other sort of versions of the Wendigo have you found then? Well, there are two main angles that come with that. There are various versions of the Wendigo itself, which traditionally are to do with their origin. You talked about the origin of the Wendigo, the first Wendigo, which would have been possibly that story of the warrior. But also, traditionally, well, when we're talking about the wider scope of becoming the Wendigo, you know, like a you might say, is people would either become them via excessive greed and usually cannibalism, because that's what the Wendigo like, is that's what the Wendigo does best, is around eating people. However, some people were in a kind of almost a zombie style, they were infected after encountering a Wendigo, and others themselves were possessed. And there's varieties of the Wendigos in that sense. 
also had some sort of effect on their behaviour. Possessed Wendigos were often kind of considered weaker and I mean, traditionally possibly an explanation would be it's how they it's how traditionally it was a view of people who went crazy over them and possessed but those were weaker Wendigos whereas someone who had gone off the rails started cannibalizing and such they were they would become a true Wendigo a strong hard to kill Wendigo the other angle would be that Wendigos uh, most come from eastern North America. They come from near the Nova Scotia area, the myth of the centralized there. However, on the west coast, there is a similar, but not quite the same beast, which is the, I believe, the Wichigay, which is similar in how, well, similar in it, how it was. It's a tall, ravenous, humanoid creature. However, some reports were they were made of ice. And most interestingly, they didn't become Wendigos out of greed. It became Wendigos out of knowledge. Okay, so you you mentioned briefly about sort of the the mental state that comes with uh, the Wendigo. There's quite an interesting condition um, called Wendigo psychosis. It's is pretty much what you described. It's a mental illness that sort of manifests itself in a hunger for human flesh. It's believed it could just be a cannibalistic delusion or completely just a fabrication. Um, there's one example that I found of uh, a member of the Cree tribe in the 1800s, Swift Runner. He ate his whole family while living within 25 miles of the nearest supply post. There... There really is actually quite little proof of specific instances of cannibalism in relation to this condition. Um, and a lot of people confuse it with the the, the cannibalist condition because this is sort of the, the precursor to it almost. It's the delusion of sort of craving it and the obviously quite a staple of the Wendigo is that their hunger can never be cured. And it's sort of, um, it's like it's like a hunger for something that you can't quite understand or can't quite grasp and I I think it's quite an interesting um, sort of way to think about how the Wendigo has affected other people um, there's quite a, a famous man called Jack Fiddler who is um, of the northwestern Ontario Cree tribe he basically outed himself as a serial killer um, <laughs> which isn't the cleverest thing to do he told a Methodist minister. Yeah, no. He um he told the Methodist minister that he was you know, as we'll explain later, Wendigo is really hard to kill. Um, but he he claimed that he had you know the ability to do so, and he was really really good at it. And you shouldn't really go around bragging that you're really good at killing. Personally, I mean that's just my view, but it, it never ends up well. Um. Supposedly, he'd killed 14 Wendigos, and his his charm, as it were, was that he had snuffed out the locals before they turned. Uh, he basically yeah. admitted that he was just killing around, going around just killing local people. He thought they might be cannibals. Um, him and his brother Jack were actually arrested for killing a woman who was soon to transform because she'd been infected by a Wendigo nearby. Uh, and they had a quite a, a gruesome end. They both died quite quickly after their 
capture and it just sort of goes to show how even the Wendigo itself has sort of powers outside of its own physical harm you know it doesn't it doesn't have to cause physical harm to someone to ruin a life sure. and it's quite an impressive ability i think yeah i mean the wendigo it was isn't like a strictly magical beast in the way that say a dragon or some crazy thing is but there was all there always there seemed to be associations with the wendigo and some sort of magical element after all like an encounter with a wendigo was often said to be enough to permanently you know change how someone was or even turn them into wendigo themselves and there were reports that some people saw a wendigo in their dreams that that could be what started their transformation and that kind of almost almost kind of dark dream walking kind of idea of magic and kind of what do you say almost kind of a foreboding that comes presence of the Wendigo. That's something which is quite present in the um, Native American myth. Also on the sort of the supernatural note, their their abilities are pretty impressive as well. Yeah. I mean the the speed and endurance and heightened senses. One of the things I, I really liked when I Googled it was um, they can pick up a panicked heartbeat from miles away. And I just, I just love the imagery that comes with that. And like when you sort of, I can't remember who told me, but someone said that there was sort of an idea that when they got closer, they sounded further away. And when they were further away, they sounded closer. And that the whole treacherous chase is about sort of stalling as much fear as possible. I mean, I mean, if, if I didn't know better from what the myth that you say, maybe even it, it, you know, it lived off there. Well, there's sort of a an element to myths that I think will come out in quite a lot of them is that the the story itself is more important than the actual mm-hmm. thing. I mean, the the idea of a creature in the forest that is has this insane ability i mean we're quite lucky in the fact that they hibernate for months supposedly um, perhaps that's just an excuse as to why yeah. they haven't really been seen yeah. but it's the the whole idea is that the wendigo started as a cautionary tale mm-hmm. and i think that's where we'll find quite a lot of myths have origins they sort of start off as these cautionary tales and it's it's quite a unique circumstance that requires a cautionary tale to tell you not to be a cannibal. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of kind of ideas around the idea of what the Wendigo is and where it originated. The idea of don't be a cannibal, as much as that's a good message, I think part, part of it may have been to do with where, where they live in the situation in which Native Americans found themselves. They weren't in a society where they could always provide food for themselves and living up north where, where they where the myth comes from it's possible there would have been very long winters in which you would have to turn well maybe maybe into cannibalism to survive oh it's quite a, it's quite a scary thought to think of you know us in our cozy cushy homes in england having to live in the woods yeah so to, to give us a bit of peace of mind, uh, how do you kill a Wendigo then? Ooh. And is there sort of a, is there sort of a general idea, or has everyone got their own version? There's, there are a few central ideas that have 
gained more traction, I'd say. But I don't think there was ever a real centralised idea of how the killer went to go, if just certain ones caught on more than others. Um, some of the more central ones are probably, one of the reasons they may have caught on is because they, well, the entire idea of what a Wendigo is and what it represents is somewhat represented by the method of This main myth involves the fact that a Wendigo cannot be killed by normal means. You can't just go and shoot a Wendigo and it's gone. The only types of weapons that can even harm it would be silver ones. You use a silver axe or a silver bullet to slow it down and wound it. Makes this alone still isn't enough to kill it, unfortunately. There's a whole process to which you have to go. Firstly, you have to remove and shatter the heart. One goes hard, it says you made of ice, and because of that, the shattered pieces, as well as one to go, it's said to be somewhat weak to fire. The heart itself is, I believe, an implication virtually indestructible. Once it's broken into a few pieces, you can't go beyond that. So you seal it in a silver box, again using silver, which is in the world of mythological creatures, often a vein of a vein of the evil, for example, as well. And you bury or bury that silver box far away or put it somewhere far away from where you are. The rest of the body you have to cut up into bits, of course, using silver, and burn thing as the wendigo again is a piece of fire. It's vulnerable probably because it's the, something that exists up north where it's very cold. The ashes, they need to be scattered into the wind, assuming so that they don't reform again into the Wendigo. I know that there's quite a, uh, a strong emphasis placed on, you know, if you if you even miss a step or maybe just do it slightly wrong, mm-hmm. the, the Wendigo has incredible regeneration yeah. abilities. And, you know, it's sort of a, a mission-orientated hunter. And, you know, I really wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of this beast. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think is very interesting about this idea of how to kill a though is that's not something you would do alone, of course. It's, it's not something you would go out and say, oh, yes, I'm going to kill a Wendigo. I'm going to successfully chatter its heart, put it in the me, burn it, do all of these things, well, it's probably still alive throughout until the very end. What I feel is that this would have to be a group effort. You'd have a group who would subdue it, perhaps track it before all these things are done. And that feeds into the idea of what the Wendigo really represents. The Wendigo is someone who has gone completely against the group. Traditionally, it was that it was the Wendigo who is someone who fell into greed. Greed being in cannibalism, but also in taking and being selfish to an extent that is bad for the group as a whole. And that meant that the group had to, I mean, in a sense, remove, remove the same and remove the Wendigo. And I believe many Wendigo killings, in inverted commas, in terms of murders, were people who had been selfish in that community and were being knocked out because they were damaging it. And killing the Wendigo in a process that requires probably a community actually to work together to do so is perhaps the antithesis of what the Wendigo is. People come together to help each other and themselves at risk for the whole thing to remove their threat. It's a very positive spin on a terrifying creature. (laughs) Oh, I I really like the idea that it's sort of a you know, it, it's the cautionary tale on one hand, but it's sort of a, a community mm-hmm. 
activity as it were. I mean, if, I mean, we sort of us in modern times now, we don't really have the same sort of mm-hmm. community structure that they would have done um, in the in the native mm-hmm. tribes. And the idea of sort of a common enemy bringing a community together. I mean, you look at pretty much any historical tale or myth. There's always there's always the villain that brings everybody together to sort of you know go out into the woods and kill the unkillable, which is mm-hmm. you know basically the epitome of yeah. Wendigo. Um, I I guess my final question is then. Why do you think the Wendigo isn't more popular than it is? I mean, personally, I don't think Wendigos really feature that much. If anything, I think sort of the the werewolf, as it were, has kind of taken its place. Where really, I think the Wendigo is probably much more sort of a powerful, terrifying creature to bring to the front of mythology. But it's generally quite overlooked. I'd say that a lot of the issues, well, the issue that is not present more in popular culture is that, to an extent, the modern, you might call the modern mythos, where, in which you've got a werewolf and vampires and giant snakes, they're heavily based in, I think, Western, I mean, European folklore and European ideas, which realistically were already in place by most of them by the year 1000. I mean, vampires were a bit later on, but they're a very romanticized thing that have been around for a while, but they're an outline. Whereas the Wendigo, as well as coming around later, I mean, earlier subjects would have had would have been early 1500s, and I doubt that there are any reports of it because it wouldn't start until the late 1600s. And the kind of rich history and ideas that we've got behind werewolves and vampires and giant snakes and, and our various concealments there. The Wendigo doesn't have that because it never was that. It wasn't part of the story. In the same way that in Greek myth you have the Odyssey. The Odyssey is a story, it's a poem. It's meant to be something that creates brilliant ideas and brilliant creatures. And once they represent something, there is more they are a set piece of story. Whereas when the go is a tale, a cautionary one, it's like, it's almost like an, a very much antithesis of Santa Claus or even Wacker, it's Krampus, something that is told to children to make them do the right thing. In that same sense, as much as, I, I don't think Krampus has particularly taken much hold, except for that one movie that was made for one time. It's a much more personal kind of story is what I'm guessing okay well unless you have anything else to add I think there's one more thing I'd like to add which is about go for it it's kind of kind of what I just said but more into the theoretical idea of what the Wendigo is in the like what you mentioned earlier actually was that uh, not like a few other tales the Wendigo is a cautionary tale and in a sense it's an allegory for it's for greed and all of those kinds of things and things for the witch again and all of that which is for a different kind of thing but with the same kind of behind it linguistically not to get into a nerdy sense here but linguistically Wendigo for Native American people is more than just being itself um, 
there were a few books written in the like 1900s as well as I mean obviously the ancestral tales of how the word is used that suggest that Wendigo is mostly applied to anything that constitutes massive greed and I mean for example I believe that Americans had a point referred to colonialism as a Wendigo or colonial sense as Wendigos as the people themselves because of the greed they have and that the modern, I mean, if you want to do a traditional Native American tribe at this point and ask them about Wendigo, the conception of it would be very unlike the Wendigo of, say, the 1700s, because it would be heavily influenced by the way the world works and the way that people are, in a sense, more than themselves now, we're talking about. Not to sound like a boomer, if I know, but, you know, people with their phones and their Instagram and all of those things. Wonderful. Well, I definitely won't be sleeping tonight after hearing all this. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably do, as we all know, it's that when they go, you can hibernate in your home if they come and tell you that. Oh, God, yes, I read that. They um, they made it as like a sort of like a hibernation mm-hmm. den. They would go in and I, I particularly enjoyed, I uh, I saw one story that sort of the front cover was just, uh, you know, Wendigos can open doors, yeah. uh, <laughs> which makes it even more terrifying yeah. for me personally. Well, thank you very much for telling us about the wondrous Wendigo. Uh, thank you for listening and goodbye. Yeah.